0: Welcome to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. Today, I will be interviewing Louis Heron. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So, Louis, what was it like uh, growing up for you in South Florida? Well, I, you know, Maurice, I I, um, I I don't have that story
1: that, uh, you know, I, I I lived in poverty, uh, you know, I was just, you know, in the rough neck of the woods, quite honestly, I, I had a very interesting upbringing, uh, you know, my father, biological father left when I was two, and, um, and I lived with my uncle in Youngstown, Ohio for a period of time till my mother uh, wanted me back home, and I was probably five or six, and that's when I was introduced to uh, my stepfather and uh you know that that my upbringing was interesting he was a roofer he wasn't in the car industry which is the industry i eventually chose um, but he he was um, he was a tough guy. I mean, he was he was physically and mentally, you know, kind of abusive. That's just what he knew. I, I'm not I guess I'm not trying to give him a, a hall pass, but um, you know, so i I grew up with a lot of a, a lot of violence, a lot of abuse, watching uh, him, you know, hit my mother and and then obviously, as I got older, it it got a little uglier between us. and I I knew basically for me that by the time I was eighteen, I needed to get out of there. Fortunately, for me, my uh, my my mother and father put me in a Christian school, which was really pivotal for me because it, when I was in sixth grade, uh, you know, that that's kind of when I accepted Christ and became a Christian. And, but really, for me, what was so profound in that, Maurice, honestly, was the fact that I felt like there was I fa- I didn't have a physical father. And that and that that led so much of my story as we continue and talk about this that has impacted my life in an adverse and a positive way, uh, but had to be under control. Uh, but I had a heavenly father that that faith and that spirituality and that uh, higher intelligence, knowing that God was always conspiring in my favor. I mean, I was always blessed. I could tell you so many stories of when I left the house at 18 and I never went home since when, when I left at 18. I've never, never went home to reside, um, you know, and went off to play college football at Liberty University. That was my passion. That was my goal. I wanted to make it in the NFL. Um, After I was at Liberty for a year and a half, I transferred to West Georgia College and then continued playing football, ended up dropping out. And once I dropped out of college, I somehow got into the car business of all businesses, never thought I would be a car person, an automotive specialist in any way, shape or form, and did that at 20 years old and went on to eventually start from selling cars and, and end up buying as many as three dealerships independently at different times, Toyota, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram um, and, uh, was very, very fortunate and fruitful and, and, and took that route. But growing up was, was interesting. It built who I was. Um, you know, my father had a lot of qualities that I I will say, I'm sure I emulated by watching he was a worker. He was an entrepreneur. He owned his own roofing company. Uh, he was up at 4 a.m. I mean, he, he was a hard worker. He was, he was extreme disciplinary and very tough. Uh, you know, he wasn't a very affirming guy. So I had to navigate around, you know, um, you know, you know, trying to create, I guess I navigated away from my true self and trying to protect myself in those modes, you, you know, as a therapist is in in the work you do, you understand that clearly. And I'm sure your listeners do as well. If you do self work, how important it is to restore that, that person. And and I'm 46 and, 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 still restoring, you know, that, that true self that had been torn down over the years, you know?
0: Yeah. So how were you able to develop uh, I guess, a relationship with God, even though you were in a situation as a kid that seemed contrary to what you were hoping for? You broke up in the beginning, more. You Say that very first part again. How was I able to do what with God? So how were you able to develop that faith that you have uh, in God when your surroundings were contrary to what you were believing for?
1: Oh man, I'll tell you that, that, that's a, a great question. I, and I would have to probably pin that on a couple of things. The, fr- the first thing is my high school football coach was kind of like a dad to me. And he, and he, he, he was really influential in my life <clears throat> and he was a spirit driven guy. And, um, so that was critical, but I think uh, if I really had to peg it down and really understand how I was fortunate to maintain my faith, I remember when, when I got, when I accepted God, um, My sixth-grade teacher, Miss Harris, she bought me a Bible, and she helped me get baptized, and she explained to me – and I'll never forget this. She said, look, what I want you to do is I want you to read this Bible during study hall and read this as much as you can, and I want you to read the book of Proverbs, and I want you to read the book of James. Proverbs is about wisdom. It's about not being lazy. It's about making good decisions, and James is all about your faith. And I want to help you make sure you grow your faith. And so what I did was—I mean, seriously—from sixth, eighth, ninth, eleventh grade. And <clears throat> don't get me wrong; I was no holy roller or perfect, you know, kid by any means. Uh, but I would read—I would read the Bible. And she explained to me: "Look, there's 31 days in a month. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read a chapter a day." And and I'm sure Maurice, if you if you read scripture of any kind or a really good solid book, you can read it 10 times and get 10 different meanings, right? It just speaks to you, right? And so that's just what happened. And, and I, and you could not convince me when I left that it wasn't God's plan in my mind. I'm like, look, I'm getting the heck out of here. I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. And and it's going to be me and God and I'm going to figure it out somehow, some way. And that, that was just my foundation. And, and thank God my, my faith was so rock solid because I needed that later in life, you know, as I had more trials and, and adversities to, to overcome. So I think that's really my, my high school football coach, uh, you know, was critical. And and I think really just staying in the word, reading, reading and reading, you know, I think that faith, that, that knowledge uh, by understanding, you know, so
0: I think that was critical. So I know you went to Liberty University uh, and you played football there. So your dream was to become an NFL football player.
1: Yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely the dream. I, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, in hindsight, I've always been a very determined kid. And I think, you know, part of my determination was, I think growing up, my, you know, my father, unfortunately would, 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 would always, you know, he wasn't really present at any football games. wasn't real supportive and, and definitely didn't think uh, that I had the right skin color to, to actually make it to the next level. I mean, it's, it's a shame to say, but he would always tell me, you know, look, man, you, it, it's, it's a long shot. You're, you know, he was just, and so I had this drive. I mean, Morris, I had this drive and determination, like I'll show you. And I just wanted to be, I wanted to go to that next level. And, um, the reality was it was it was hard to accept the fact that I wasn't good enough to, to play at that level requires a lot more. And I think if I if I knew if I knew then w- how, what how would I understand in business today and what I've gathered over the years of, of the relentless pursuit of something you really desire and how to go about attaining that and training my mind and my thinking process, I think I would have had a better shot. Would I have made it? I don't know. You still gotta have talents, abilities, and skills. And I was talented. And, and did a pretty good job, but there's just a ton of talent there, and I wasn't able to make it to the next level. But, you know, again, no regrets, uh, no hard feelings. Uh, and, and the path that I ended up taking has been very
0: fruitful for me. And I've been very blessed. Do you remember what's the earliest age that you recognized that drive that you had, that inner drive?
1: I want to say um, I want to say I was probably 14, 15 years old. Uh, that's when I really started to get angry at uh, at at uh what what would be the way I'd put this? I, I felt like uh my my dreams. I don't know if this has anything to do with being a Pisces. I, I always had big vision, man. I always had this 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 thing in my head that if you could see it in your mind, you could hold it in your hand. You know, I just you couldn't tell me different. And so I always had big, big, like, like goal, like big statements of craziness to a lot of people and I think I just I just got tired of, of of you know being put down like that's dumb you're stupid like you'll never do that like what are you thinking like get real that really made determined and I think you know my father was a driving factor that early um, but I did eventually get over that once I became successful in the car business I kind of proved to myself and I kind of have waned off. Uh, you know, when, when I was, you know, 23, 24 years old, but yeah, I think probably 14, 15 years old.
0: So so you got into the car business at 20 years old and did you have an affinity or any like or passion for cars before that age?
1: Uh, Maurice, I, I, I did not know a thing about car selling, selling periods, salesmanship uh, in fact, I mean, I I failed speech class in college. That's how uncomfortable I was to speak out loud. If I was with friends where I was comfortable, I was very social, but I was not like a, a talker in front of the crowd type people. Um, uh, I I happened to be waiting tables, and a guy from Miami. This was when I was in Atlanta, Georgia. A guy from Miami came in, and I served him, and he would come in every single time and ask for the kid from Miami. He's the guy that got me in the business. He was a finance director at a Honda dealership, and he's like, man. Man, you could you could you got the gift of gab. What he did not know, Maurice, was before I before I took the job at Chili's, I actually memorized the whole Chili's menu. That's how nervous I was to speak in front of people. So what he thought was the gift of gab was really memorization skills. He had no. But to him, he's like, man, you, you've got the gift. And I don't know, maybe he, he did see something in me. Uh, obviously I went on to do very, very well. And I took those same memorization skills into the car industry as it related to word tracks and phone skills and closing deals and so forth. I took the same philosophy and then eventually got really good at it and, and, and and got very uh, fast and quick. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I I had no idea that God would place me in the car business. In fact, what I was going to be my whole goal when, when I went to college, if I could make it the NFL, I wanted to coach and I wanted to teach. Uh, because I'm a teacher and I'm an encourager by nature. That's what I do, and, and and I've, you know, been in the in business, and I've been able to still be a teacher and an encourager and a motivator in my business. And so I've still been able to kind of do what my purpose is, what I, my DNA, what my wiring is. It just didn't come in the fashion of school kids and having you know six periods of of school throughout the day.
0: So, when you mentioned that you memorized the menu, I think about these two actors, and I'm sure you may have heard of them before. One was, uh, is Morris Chestnut. I remember he did one of his earlier roles was, um, I believe the sitcom was called Out All Night with Patti LaBelle. And he said he memorized a lot of like things, and he would memorize everyone's lines. And, you know, because he was so nervous. And then uh, Will Smith, he said he did the same thing. He memorized everybody's line. And he said, if you look on the earlier episodes, you can see him, his mouth moving while other people were talking. So it's something about passion that drives you because you could have also and those two guys are great in their industry. But there's something about uh, passion Because you could have also gone the other way and not do anything, even though you were nervous. So these different gifts within us, they are manifested in different ways, um, but they could come through as being nervous of something. But sometimes when people are really nervous about something, it could also mean that they're really great at something. Some of the greatest orators are (laughs) nervous before they begin to
1: speak. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's 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 such an element of truth of, of that last statement because I think there there when people are going to try to do do business ventures or become better people or make change and life change, you, you, sometimes you get nervous because what if I fail, right? And so people have the sea of what ifs, right? The scenario sickness that takes place, but you know we never ask ourselves, well, what if I what if I win? I mean, what if I do well? And I think to your last point. I think there's the fear of losing. I think the fear of succeeding is sometimes just as great. I think sometimes we're scared to win. Like we actually know we can, but it's like, it's scary, you know? And, and I think, you know, like you mentioned with those two guys, two great guys, I love Will Smith, by the way, and Chessna, both of them are are great, but I love Will Smith. His personality is, is, you know, whenever you see him on TV, of course I've never met him, would seem like a phenomenal human being. Uh, But no, you're right. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know why, Uh, You know, I I I know for me, I was scared to death to make a mistake. And I think my whole childhood, I was always making mistakes or told I was making mistakes. So I always felt like I was overcoming and you have to do more. You have to do more. And and so I had this this huge deficit of like like my like love tank was like way low because I was never good enough ever. And and, but yet, you know, I would try to do exemplary things and I'd go the extra mile. And and what was so interesting is my whole life, I've kind of lived my life like that. Realizing here over the last 10 years, you know, wh- what a facade that is, right? Because, you, you know, uh, for various different reasons, but the positive side to that is the work ethic that was derived and developed over the years by trying to, I don't know, people please or overprove or, or get an applause or just be accepted. Um, it, it was massive in, in, in my career. It's been massive in my life. It's just it's been a huge piece. Because the relentlessness to pursue something that is it was so deep inside of me uh, uh, was, was pushing and that motor never, ever stopped. You know, so it's just crazy how as human beings we do these things and, and, and so many times it's very unhealthy. We don't realize it, you know, uh, but in the end, you know, fortunately, I, I've had some good things come about from, from some of my wiring and then I've got to unwire, you know, certain things that have become uh, blind spots, you know.
0: Yeah. So when you were 20 and you began uh, in the industry, was there anything that clicked within you when you began?
1: You know, um, the one thing that I always go back to is I always felt like when I got in the car business, these guys were making a lot of money and I felt like they were very lazy. And, and because, because I, I guess I came from a school where, where my father was an extremely hard worker and he laid hands on you not to pray if, he didn't, if you weren't working hard enough. I mean, he was that kind of guy. Like, we just worked. Like, we were going to work. If you didn't do anything else, you're going to work, right? You, you're not going to be lazy. You're, you're going to get up. Um, and I think when I entered the car business, I said to myself, these guys are making this much money and, and what do they do? And it was almost like... I saw the landscape of the car business almost like my new NFL I'm like you know I didn't make that deal but I can tell you what I think I think I can run one of these stores and then it wasn't long before I said I think I can buy a dealership now mind you at 21 and 22 years old buying a car dealership Maurice you're talking you're, you're talking four six 10 30 50 million dollars to buy a car franchise right It just depends on location and, and facility so you're you're not you're talking you want to talk about an unrealistic thing for a 22 year old kid to say you're going to buy a store or well, how in the world are you going to do that well the reality for me was go back to my faith i, re- I believe heavily in proverbs 3 5 as many other verses but lean not on my own understanding but acknowledge god in all my ways he'll direct the path he'll he'll he put the desire in my heart why would i say that Well, intuitively something came in my spirit that i could do this and i knew i had the work ethic and i saw the level of play and level of talent on this field on the pavement I could see what was going on. I'm like, dude, I can get this. I can do this because this is not rocket science. There's a lot of people in the car industry that have a high school education that's done a phenomenal job and climbed the ladder, run corporate, you know, companies within the auto business and, and have done very well. I'm like, man, if these guys can do it, man, I'm going to kill it. And I, and I didn't stop until I did. I mean, I was just relentless in, in pursuing that, but I didn't, th- that was probably the only thing is when I first got in the business, I just thought, you know what, these guys are making it. Cause really for me, Maurice, I was, I was loading trucks at, at, at a distribution plant in Villa Rica, Georgia, and waiting tables part time, working at Chili's and working at Lowe's. And I was putting together 17, 18, 1900 bucks collectively. And I thought to myself, if I get the car business, am I, and the, the reason why I got in the business is the guy told me I could make a bunch of money. And I thought, if I can make $3,000 a month, I make 36 to 40 grand, I'm home free. Man, I'm 20 years old, making 40 grand a year, I'm all in. Right. And I just dropped out of college. I had no idea I could make 100, 110, 200. like I like like conceptually didn't even cross my mind until I stepped foot in the car dealership and started seeing some of these guys. And then I just was like, man, y'all are lazy. I'm I'm about to run circles around y'all. That's that's what that, that's what I remember saying to myself, you know, as a young kid that, that I can do this.
0: So how long did it take before you started seeing your production like increase
1: man you know for me it was it was it was in short order i got in the business at 20 i was a sales manager at 22 i was making i was my first year i made seventy thousand dollars selling cars uh by 28 years old eight years in the business i was a general manager of the very same honda store that i was a salesperson for right so these guys had watched me grow up in that in, in that same facility by 32 i was a partner in a dealership. And by 35, I was the CEO of my own Toyota franchise. So in 15 years, I went from salesperson to CEO. I went from sales to, to, to owner and, and and really with a lot of divine intervention, I can tell you work ethic and passion and persistence and consistency and, and all the things and all of that made a difference, but I can tell you divine intervention orchestrated a ton of moving parts and people and situations and how all that came together. Um, but yeah, 15 years. I went from a salesperson to CEO, uh, owning my own Toyota franchise. Uh, of which, which was cool about it is there at the time there was 3,300 Toyota franchises in the country, and I owned one of them, and I was extremely proud about that. And and and, and I was in the Southeast uh, distributorship, and I was the youngest Southeast Toyota dealer. So you know, uh, at 35 years old. So man, I I had a great run. Um, but it was it was it was wrapped and clothed in a lot of ambitious thinking. Uh, My mindset was large. Uh, My work ethic was big. I, I showed up and I put in I put in the time and the work it took to learn and practice, drill, rehearse and memorize what I needed to in every single position from sales to manager to finance to general sales management to general management to fixed operations to parts department to Internet, you name it, accounting. There's a lot to learn. And I, I pushed the acceleration button, man, and, and, and got a lot
0: done in a 15 year period and was, I'm telling you, very, very fortunate. What was one of the the most memorable interventions, uh, divine interventions that you could choose? Oh, man, I, I, I'll tell you when I first got in the car business, I, I, I've got a I wrote a book
1: called Driven by Fire. You can pick it up on Amazon and it tells a lot of these stories that are in here. Pretty, pretty wild. Um, and in. And in the book, I, I talk about the day that I went for the interview. Well, two things. Okay, so I had a Gideon moment. Okay, those that know the, the Bible, the Gideon, you know, uh, you know, I, I had one of those prayers. God, show me a sign. All right, if you're real, if this is real, show me a sign. This guy, Carlos, had been asking me. He'd been coming to the Chili's over and over and over. And I'm like, okay, God, this guy's asking me over and over. I don't know nothing about the car business. I don't even know why he's asking me. But, if, but give me a sign if it's something I should do. God's honest truth, I I go to bed that night. The next morning, the alarm goes off, and my alarm clock is always set to buzzer. Now we use our phones, but back then in the early 90s, we had alarm clocks, and they are either set to buzzer or radio. The alarm went off to radio, and it was a car commercial. I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay. So I get up immediately. I call Carlos. I say, hey, man, can I come in for the interview? Now, this is is the, the God story hadn't stopped. Number one, he gives me a sign of a car commercial on my alarm clock, which is always the buzzer. All right. I get to the dealership. I thought I'm going to meet with Carlos. I thought I already had the job. Maurice, I thought it was already done because he's asked me so many times. <laughs> I get there. I meet with the general manager. I sit with the general manager. We're talking. He didn't really ask me anything about, about my past. He's asking me. So Carlos tells me a lot about you. You work down at Chili's. Tell me why you think you'd be a good salesperson. Tell me why you think you'd be good in the auto business. All these questions, I didn't have any answers. I had no idea why I'd be good in the car business. All I know is Carlos asked me. He said, come down and, and see if you can sell cars. Long story short, it's about a 10-minute interview. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, kiddies. I like you, but, but we don't normally hire like one guy at a time, especially when they're brand new. I'll keep your application on file. We'll call you. If I can get two or three people at the same time, we'll call you back, and we'll try to put together a little class and keep you together. I'm like, well, this is weird. And I'm thinking, okay, we both stand up, okay? as I never forget. His name is Donald Parton. I'll never forget it. We both stand up. As he stands up, he move, we kind of go to shake hands. Behind him was a Jacksonville State football helmet. Jacksonville State out of Alabama. Now, you wouldn't know Jacksonville State because it's not FSU. It's not Miami, Clemson. Unless you played them, you really wouldn't even know what the helmet looked like. Of course, I played them at Liberty, so I'm like, oh, did you play football at Jacksonville State? We start talking 15 minutes of football. Maurice, he says, you know what, kid? I want, I'll tell you what. I like you. Bring a shirt and tie. Start to, I want you to start tomorrow. We started talking football. And, and, and next thing you know, he tells me to come to work the next day. And I, and I'll, and I'll be honest, had I walked out of there, I would have never gone back to even think about the car business. I was already kind of like sort of wigged out about it to begin with and wasn't really sold. And, and he, he hires me and I get in the business and I never look back.
0: That is definitely a divine intervention. Like, Wow. Oh,
1: I'm telling you, Maurice, and I'm I'm not even trying to plug my book. I'm just telling you, 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 I have uh, probably five or six God stories like that in the book over and over on how to get money, how the partnership happened, how I got my dealership, like, like just crazy things that just pop up, you know, and it's just the Lord, man. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, because your dream was to own ownership, of course, um, well, to get a dealership. And um but you didn't necessarily know how you were going to get the funds. You, yeah. Well, and I think
1: this is an important point for your listeners. I know your listeners always want to grow, always want to get better, improve their lives, and many other things in that same venue. Anything I believe – I believe when the why is so big, the how will always show up. When the why is so big, I need to lose weight. I need to – why do you need because the doctor said I need to – Well when it's so when it's so important to you, the, the excuses, the alibis, the reasons, the circumstances start to minimize and, and things start to be brought into your life. You can't even explain that support the, real, the reason why you chose to make that decision. It's only in the doubt and uncertainty and the wavering do you self-conflict with yourself, right? What is that? Like, I'm sure you know better than I do, cognitive dissonance, right? You can't hold two conflicting thoughts at the same time. You can't want to have this going on, but then think about the negative, right? Because it's just going to, you know, one's going to win. So it's I I think it's it's huge that when the why is so big, the how will always, always, always show up. And I I truly believe that with all my heart.
0: So you've purchased... Uh, three dealerships over your career and now with that success uh, because that's a lot of success for anyone to have how there's always a journey so what adversity did you have to overcome that got you into that space what was that thing that you had to overcome
1: well, I think number one, as a 20 year old kid telling everybody I was going to be a general manager by the time I was 28, not just saying I was going to be a GM, like literally telling people by the time I'm 28, I'm going to be a general manager. By the time I'm 32 years old, I'm going to I'm going to be a, a, an owner of a car dealership by the time. You know, I, I mean, literally. Um, so I think my age was number one, huge adversity because it, it's, it was very hard for 20, 21 years old. To be a sales manager, and now at 21, 22 years old, I'm a sales manager, and my employees are 40, 42, 45 years old, to have their respect to, to be able to lead them, right, to, to, to go to that next level with them w- w- was a huge challenge of overcoming. I think w- when it was time to actually make a decision, I remember when I was leaving for my first partnership job, the first partnership opportunity, the job that I currently held at that time was paying me $600,000 a year to operate a toyota dealership now those jobs don't grow on trees they don't that that cup doesn't run it over it's those not normal for me to 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 go to a dealership that was i, I live in atlanta now i'm going to go to augusta and i'm going to mortgage my house I'm going to take money out of equity line. I'm going to liquidate my my all my savings, my 401k, everything I built up. I'm going to go into a partnership, which I've never done a partnership before, draft the paperwork, protect myself, understand what this stock purchase is all about. What are my liabilities? What are my tax implications? What does this look like on the exit strategy? All these questions that I had no clue, no clue, but learned right through the the, you know those were part of adversities. You know, taking those steps, the, the fear versus certainty and taking the plunge, leaving something that was so, so comfortable that I had for as long as I wanted it to go into something that was unknown. And I could risk losing it all uh, with, with some huge adversity,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. So what what was it that really caused you to do that? Because that's a big sacrifice. Um, just hearing you saying it. Because that was secure. What made you, you know, disrupt yourself? What was that thing that really make you? Was it just because you were just so adamant about having your own dealership? No, I
1: I think my my goals were clear. Uh, My goals were crystal clear. I wanted 10 dealerships. I wanted 10 partners. I wanted to help create 10 millionaires. And I wanted to buy the Miami Dolphins by the time I was 65 years old. That was, that that was my goals. That, that, that was my professional automotive driven go. That was, that was driving my behaviors. That was driving my focus. And I could never get to 10 dealerships. If I didn't get to one, I couldn't get to one. If I didn't get to a partnership, I couldn't get to the partnership. If I didn't give up that, that, that nice paying, comfortable job. And at the time I was 32 years old. So if not now, when, if not me, who like, it's like, This is it. Let's go. Like this is like if you if if you're going to do it, you better do it now. And I think I felt like in my heart that that the opportunity was right. I felt led. I I, I felt peace. I felt at peace about it. And I often knew that God forbid it didn't work out. I I, I lose my three hundred thousand dollar investment. That would stink. However, I could always come back and I could run somebody's dealership and I could still make a nice living. You got nothing to lose, man. The only thing you're going to have to lose is regret if you don't take if you don't go for it, because it's in your heart. It's been in your spirit since you were 22 years old. So I can't lie to myself. I mean, I can lie to others, but you can't lie to Louie. Louie, you know, you said this is what you want. This is it. Let's see. Let's 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 get after it. Let's see if you can make it happen. And and I just had that that level of certainty that, you know, God, God, look, God's got me this far. I mean, he's led me this far, you know, if anything else, if there's a failure in the circumstance, it's going to be a victory in learning. And I'm just going to be able to learn. I'm
0: still young
1: and I need to pick up and keep moving forward,
0: you know, and that was my thinking. So I saw uh, one of your YouTube videos, the foundation is starting to crack, right? And you talked also about adversity in your relationship. Could you share a little bit? With oh, that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I had uh, I had part of, of, of my third dealership. Um, uh, I went through a divorce and and, you know, I think that divorce, it 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 rocked me. But I think what what, what was interesting is the realization and understanding that relationship was not what rocked me. Uh, I was together for roughly 20 years. I had two children. We had had a couple of businesses. Everything was 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 on the surface looking good. The reality was, my fear of that divorce was me being alone and my, and me being abandoned. Me 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 experiencing what I never got healed, Maurice, when I was a kid, right? My you know my mom shipping me to Ohio and my and no father present in my life and me leaving at eighteen, being alone, you know, for pretty much my adult my whole adult life. All all these things reared its head up. And and quite honestly, uh, you know, that led me into a bout of alcohol, you know, so that that that's really what was crushing. I mean, you know, I ended up selling my company and and and, you know, there was loss of money there, you know, and, and there's learning lessons there. And, and I'm and and I'm fine with all that, uh, you know, getting through those those phases of, of, of going to dependency, of not wanting to be alone. Uh, just, you know, uh, what's the word? I mean, I, I, I didn't even really believe in anxiety and depression and this it sounds so ignorant, but I I really was such a, a motivator internally and ex and externally to others. You know, uh, you know, if if your mind, you just need to change your mindset if you want to change your outcomes. Well, sometimes you, you you know people just get anxious and people just get depressed. I mean, and it's just got to work itself through. <clears throat> and I was in that point, and so I started sedating, you know, and sedating and medicating because I didn't want to feel what I felt. I didn't want to feel that the the uh, you know, those feelings. And, and so it took me it. In fact, it took honestly, it took my new my 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 current wife, uh, the, an amazing human being to shake and rattle my cage uh, and, and, and really help gain some of my clarity back in uh, my focus back um, and, um, you know, to, to be on the right track. To be able to be productive and produce and do the things moving forward that 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 I'm working through now in my life, so yeah, that that was that was a tough moment, and that was back in
0: 2015. Wow. So, uh, were was your family able to support you through that time frame?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, for the for the most part, um, you know, my yes, I I, I had I had support, and um, you know, again, luckily it was it was a it was a a rough two year stint. Three-year stints, uh, give or take, uh, of of just massive lack of a massive lack of clarity, um, and I think you know what I learned. Well, I learned a lot of things, but one one of the things I I can I can tell everybody that when you start to <laughs> become codependent and really start leaning on something to sedate or or numb your feelings, uh, which I know a lot of people do. Okay, the problem with it, above and beyond any addiction that could form the the it's a thief it will steal your time it will steal your passion it will steal your heart it will steal your joy it will take your purpose it will it will put you in a in a proverbial ditch that that literally you're going to need massive winches to get you out of and a lot of people that love you and, and most importantly you got to love yourself to to own it accept it and and and, and put in the work to, to get through it
0: true you must have some uh inner strength to overcome addictions and all adversity. So it definitely demonstrated uh, your inner strength to and your faith to be able to walk through that. So what made you leave college early?
1: Um, you know, I, I think to be honest, I realized that my my NFL dream wasn't going to happen. I think I was aware of that. And I realized when I transferred from Liberty University to West Georgia College, I realized that uh, I left the Christian University to a secular university. I lost a few credits. So I was already kind of a slow kid to begin with. I was never that bright. And I think that I still had another two and a half years left of school. And I just was I I was just, you know, lazy, lazy about it. And uh, you figured I'd get I'd sell cars during one summer. If I can make it work, I'll I'll make it. uh, I'll stick. I, I sold I sold cars in the summer. Uh, I want to say it was the summer of '95. I recall correctly. Uh, that's when I got into the to the car business, and I and I gave it a three month run, and I and I happened to do very well. I mean, I was selling, you know, sixteen to twenty cars a month or quickly, and it was and like I said, I was telling you if I could make thirty six thousand, I thought I was rich. I mean, I was making six seven thousand dollars, and I was just like blown away. So, I never went back to college.
0: Wow. So you definitely found your purpose. Yeah. Well, again,
1: I, I don't necessarily know. Um, It's like you and I talked, you know, kind of, kind of before before the show, this is kind of like, you know, uh, I don't I don't believe God put me on a planet to be a car guy, a mortgage guy, a real estate guy or any business guy. I think that's part of what I do. It's not it's not who I am. I think really for me, I'm a people guy and, and I need to be with people, man. I need to be leading, loving, pushing, growing. Uh, And helping people get to the next level. That's what I really thoroughly enjoy. And I think God has blessed me with so many highs, so many lows. I mean, I mean, I've got peaks, I've got valleys, I've got, you know, so many things that experientially, I, I can just assist and help others through those experiences, good, bad and indifferent. And, uh, and that's really my passion, you know, I, but I, but I do love the car business. I've been doing it for, you know, for 26 years now. And now I enjoy teaching people how to go to the next level with, with, you know, with
0: the products and programs that I offer. Nice. So you mentioned your book earlier. Uh, do you have any other books or is that that's the main, the main one, one right, right now. now? It's
1: called driven by fire and fire stands for faith, intensity, intensity reinvention and enthusiasm so the book is about how to overcome adversity through faith intensity reinventing yourself and having an enthusiastic attitude those are the four main main points <clears throat> and um yeah it's a it, it's it's a solid book it's an easy read i think it's 120 pages uh you can download it on kindle or you can get it you know hard copy or, or paperback but it's yeah it's it's a, I, of course I think it's a great book because I think it's a very inspirational book. It's it's a, it's a book that will move you. It's a book that at the end of every chapter, I'm asking the readers to reevaluate themselves based on the chapter uh, they just read. And I think it's thought-provoking. I think it's something that will get people's minds um, realizing that, you know what? There's more available to me, you know, and and, and you start you start making adjustments and and you stop making excuses uh, of why things are the way they are. You know, you start trying to really figure out how to take more personal responsibility about your own outcomes and why you're where you're at and how you're going to get yourself to where you want to go. You know, and that's pretty much what what I think we all want in life is I, I think sometimes if we're searching for happiness, the problem with searching for happiness is happiness always seems to is kind of outcome driven. Right. It's cause and effect. When I get this, I will be this. The problem is, is when we get this, we feel that, but then we raise our this at a higher place down the road. So now you're not happy again, right? So I I think the key is to find joy, right? I think joy is is really is is really feeling good no matter what the outcome is. And um, again, I I think I think that book really explains a lot of that and a lot of things in there that that. Uh, help, help folks in 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 business relationships. Uh, if you have adversity, it's it's a it's a good book to pick up and and just try to give you some encouragement to overcome it.
0: So, what is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave mm. our audience with? Well, one thing, man. I I I'm a
1: talker, so one thing would be hard. But I'll tell you, if I had to, if I had to say one thing that I think would encourage everyone listening right now. Uh, I, I, would, I would say uh, let's take the time to be passionate about personal growth. Let's take the time to, to be passionate about growing ourselves personally, which means we got to become more self-aware and, and which means that we, we have to take personal inventory. I, I think if, if, if all of us, starting with myself, can constantly reevaluate ourselves, we can course correct Right. Once a week, once a month, we can look back at the week we just performed or, or just went through. We can look at the good, bad and the ugly all as, as it encompasses, where it's where there is spirituality, health, relationships, financial work, career, whatever the case may be. If we're constantly looking to improve and we're focused on growing ourselves, uh, I, I, I think it, it would really make a huge impact in, in our society.
0: Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflourinary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.